What a tremendous privilege we have to be gathered here this morning and worship God. I trust we all can say amen to that. We know that we're living in perilous times. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and which one of us can say we understand exactly what's going on. But we are thankful that God is faithful, and we can be faithful also this morning. I've been praying for an awareness of his presence as we worship together this morning. God is real. God is with us. God is here to guide and direct us. There's a, a verse I've been thinking a lot on lately I'd like to look at this morning as a text, and we find it in Jeremiah chapter 10. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And I like the way the Reina Valera says it, my Spanish version I have here. O Lord, I know that man is not Lord of his way. And that's uh, the title of the message this morning, is knowing that we are not Lord of our way. In other words, we are not capable. It's not in us. There's nothing in ourselves we can grab a hold of that can give us the direction that we need for our lives. And that's the foundation of what we're going to look at. And before we get too deep into that, I want to look a little bit at the, uh, the context here. The context so much helps us to understand the text. In other words, the setting in which this, this verse that we looked at was given. So to do that, I'd like to read all of chapter 10 here, Jeremiah. And as, as we... Uh, read through this, I'd, I'd like to just make a few, men, a few comments ab about Jeremiah and why Jeremiah has been such an important book to me in the last number of years. And the reason is that I think that Jeremiah was facing a time that parallels the time we're facing, okay? Jeremiah was a faithful prophet in a time when many people had turned away from the Lord. And uh, we see that throughout all the book of Jeremiah. He was, it was not an easy time. A lot of his prophecies were not appreciated and a lot of them were disregarded because it was so contrary to popular thought in his day. But we look at the heart of God when judgment is imminent, when judgment is, is hanging over his people. At one point, God said, was it, if Moses and Elijah were interceding, I would not spare the people. That's how far things have gone. And we know that at the beginning of Jeremiah's uh, time, time of his uh, prophetic career, you could say, we have Josiah. And Josiah was a one of the most faithful kings there was, but he was the last of the faithful ones. And I tend to believe that God took Josiah off the scene at an early age because 
the, the, the course of, of things was to happen, and, and because Josiah was so faithful, uh, God took him out of the picture before judgment came on the, uh, the Jewish nation. So let's read here Jeremiah chapter 10, and we see the first verse here is directed to the house of Israel. And for practical purposes this morning, I'd like to apply the house of Israel to us. Uh, and in the time of Jeremiah, there wasn't a whole lot of faithful people on the face of the earth. And God's chosen people were, I think, in that day and age, were to be the revealers of God's will. And they were not faithfully doing that. And that's a burden I have for us as God's people, for the house of Israel today, if you will, that we can be representing God and be the light that, that God What's because there's not a whole lot else out there, out there if, if you follow me. So let's read here, Jeremiah 10, verse 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, and work of the hands of workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as a palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is there in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, Thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to thee doth it appertain, forasmuch as among all the wise men of the nations and all the kingdoms there is none like unto thee, but they are, to, are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. The work of the workmen in the hands of the founder, blue and purple in their clothing, they're all work of cunning men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God. He is the everlasting king. In his wrath, at his wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide at his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish under the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power, and he hath established the world by his wisdom, and hath stretched out the heavens at his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image for his molten image is falsehood. There is no breath in them. They are vanity. The work of heirs in the time of their visitation, they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. Lord of hosts is his name. Gather up the words out of the land, O inhabitant of the fortress. For thus saith the Lord, behold, behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once, and will distress them, they may find it so, that they may find it so. Woe is me for my hurt, 
my wound is grievous. But I said, truly this is grief, and I must bear it. My tabernacle is spoiled. All my cords are broken. My children are gone forth of me, and they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent anymore and to set up my curtains. For the pastors are become brutish. They have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Behold, the noise of the brute is come, and a great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not on thy name. For they are eaten up, have eaten up Jacob and devoured them and consumed them. They have made his habitation desolate. And so here we have Jeremiah. I think the context here is just prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, where King Nebuchadnezzar came in, and uh, basically there is nothing left of, of the people of God in, in Jerusalem. And so we. Uh, are looking this morning at the, we see a fast-changing situation in the world out there. Uh, and, and again, I'd like to just be thinking as we go through this message that we are not capable of directing our paths. And, and there's things happening in government, and I don't follow this very close, and I'm not of the uh, fundamentalists that think somehow that the world is going to be changed through government power. I'm not with them. If the world has changed, it's because the church of God is going out there and preaching the gospel and, and, and pulling individuals out of, of darkness. And as civil leaders, we, we cannot, must not expect them, hold them up to the gospel standard of Jesus Christ. They cannot and will not be able to, to follow those. But at the same time, uh, I think some of us are aware that there's, there's a lot happening in government that is is very concerning. It's almost like there's a song that says, if we forget God, our nation is doomed. And the, the things of legalizing drugs and the thinking behind that, there's, there's no, how should I say, there's, there's almost not the ability to reason anymore with the decisions that are being made. And that's being done at the civil end of things. And we look at, at, at church life in a general way, I'm not talking about conservative Anabaptist people, I'm talking about the uh, mainline uh, professing Christianity, where, uh, and this, this happened in mainline Mennonite churches too, back some years ago, where it seems like the ability to be able to even discern right and wrong, and to be able to, to uh, deal with immorality that's within the church is, is almost non-existent, if you're following what I'm saying. So, so we know that there is open sin, there's, there's adultery, and, and there's really hardly anything that people know what to do about it, to deal with it. That, that is the, the broader picture of, of, of Christianity in a general way around us. And, and here again, it is a result of disregarding what God says as the true word 
and, and somehow thinking that we can get beyond that. It is not in man. We are not capable in ourselves to govern ourselves. Man is self-destructive outside of the power of God. If we're not, this morning, we're not under the power of God, if we're not diligently following him, our path is doomed. We're not capable. Fallen man is not capable of making wise choices. And we could talk about homes. And, and I think about a year ago I preached here on, on a, a son after his father's heart. And, and there in, in, in Malachi, the, the last chapter of the Old Testament, God said that, that the hearts of the fathers must turn to their children and the hearts of the children must turn to their fathers. Or this, this land is doomed. And, and we look at, at the general moral situation around us, and it's, is there hardly any homes that have escaped this terrible plague of divorce and remarriage and unfaithfulness outside of marriage? We've been involved some with real estate and selling homes, housed people, and I would like to say probably over half of the homes we've been selling here of late is, is single women that are buying it to have live-in boyfriends. That's the situation of, of the moral condition around us. And I'm, I'm so blessed to be part of a people that still have sound principles there. So it, in a general way, the homes that have disregarded the counsel of God, it, it has gone to a terrible chaos. And people looking on to us, there's at least some that are honest enough to say, you have really got something that, that uh, we're lacking. Individuals making their own choices are destined to fail. Yesterday morning, I got a phone call. It was four something in the morning. I said, who'd be calling this? And I thought, maybe I better check. Here's a dear friend of mine. They've been struggling with their, their son. And their son had brought his girlfriend home and, and was expecting for them to give their permission for her to stay there for the night. And he left just before I got the phone call and the parents were grieving. But I don't know if there's anyone here struggling with that. The, that individual that the parents are grieving over, if he does not change his course, it's, it's a, a, a path straight to disaster. He wants to do things his way. This morning, we're not capable of making wise choices. And I mentioned some of these things of, of the moral situation in government and the moral situation of the churches around us and, and, uh, and the homes to say that we are greatly affected by the environment which we find ourselves in. And I, I would like to think that we as God's people, the house of Israel, if you will, our, our situation is not what Jeremiah found himself in. I was just, as I was reading through the book of Jeremiah again, uh, I think it was yesterday I was reading where, where Jeremiah got a word from the Lord, and the word was that, that judgment was about to happen. And that... that um, 
message was taken to Jehoiakim, the, the king. And before that message was sent, Jeremiah already went into hiding because he pretty much understood what the response was going to be. When that word was presented to, to the king of, of Judah, he read it, took out his, his pocket knife, cut that part off the scroll and threw it into the fire. He did not want to hear it. When, when uh, what I read this morning in Jeremiah was King Nebuchadnezzar had his army around Jerusalem and then because of, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, they pulled away and the people felt, this is, this is it, God is delivering us. See, all along they felt like they were God's people and God was going to deliver them. And God does deliver, but God does not deliver a people that are bent to follow what is wrong and to follow sin. And uh, then Jeremiah went out to, uh, I think it was to give a message, and they said, you're, you're working on behalf of Nebuchadnezzar, and they got him and they locked him up in jail. And later they stuck him down in a cistern that was full of mud, and, and he was down in the mire for a while. Why? Because they said, you're, you're weakening the hand of our soldiers because you're telling them to surrender. They, that was the message of God, to surrender to Nebuchadnezzar. They did not want to accept it. They did not want to accept that judgment was about to happen. And afterwards, there was just a, a, just a remnant left. And they came to Jeremiah and said, we're going to listen. We know you're a prophet of the Lord. We're going to listen and tell us what to do. And he said, stay here. Don't go to Egypt. If you stay here, then you, everything's going to be fine. But if you go to Egypt, you're going to be destroyed. They said, that you're a liar. And, and they said, that if we stay here, we're going to be destroyed. So they went to Egypt. And they went to Egypt to be destroyed. Do you get the picture? We have a true prophet, and his prophecies were, were without fail, were on target, but they never could accept it because it was different than what they wanted to hear. And we see here in this chapter, I read chapter 10, what the main problem was. The main problem was idolatry. And you could say this morning, well, thank God we don't have a problem with idolatry. I'd like for us to just think and identify clearly what the idols of North America are. Have you ever thought about that? What the, uh, the North American idols are. I've, I've lived in Latin America for over 20 years. And there it was the images and it was uh, the, the Catholic thing. And I, I burden as I see these processions and carrying these images and these people bowing down and praying to them. And, but you know what? I believe the idols that are here in North America are much more subtle and maybe more dangerous because of how subtle they are. And I, in a nutshell, this is how I see it. Sports, recreation, shiny metal, technology, uh, selfish stewardship. Or maybe I could say the God of self and finances. In other words, if God blesses me, it's not for me to go see how I can spend it on myself. That's idolatry.
Do we have these idols in our midst? That's the question this morning. Is God about ready to bring judgment not on on the United States of America, but on Anabaptist people because they're caught up in the idols of North America? We see there is a point in time, and I, I see that as I read through the book of Jeremiah, they no longer were capable of making wise choices. They had gone beyond that, and I think that is, is as, as Jeremiah was pondering on that, what brought on the text this morning. Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, or that we would be here this morning and say, we are not capable of making our own decisions. As God's people move away from him and what his standard of holiness, which is unchanging, and we follow, the more we're caught up with the world's way. And I, I, here over election time, I was amazed at how much people are caught up with politics. And if we are caught up with politics, then our, our way of thinking is like those neighbors around us. And somehow we think that through politics this thing's going to get fixed. God has answers for his people. So I'd like this morning, if we can't remember what I always said, that we take one thing home with us. And that is the foundational difference of God's people will be that we understand we're not Lord of our ways. That we need someone else to direct our steps. We need someone else to show us how we should relate to the challenging situation around us. And that has to start with seeking the infinite, omniscient God. We, we see here, and this I see in Isaiah also, uh, contrasting, the, the, the prophet here is contrasting the, the foolishness of following these idols rather than following the creator of the universe. Foolishness of trusting. And I wanted to mention here in verse 2 where it has the word dismayed. It says, Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. That word dismayed could also be translated fear. Now I've been amazed at how much fear has been, I've, I've sensed even in our circles with, with the, the current uh, virus pandemic. And I, I said something to my wife. I said, I think you understand. I said this the other day. My wife was very sick. Uh, Lord spared us from needing to take her to the hospital. Uh, but I told her, you know, death is not such a bad thing. Death is actually a good thing. And it's looking at it from a very different perspective of what people around us are looking at. But it is true. Death is a gateway to glory. And I believe that this morning. And who, who are we to say that we can choose how that is to take place? But it, it just changes our whole concept of how we should relate to some of these things. As we seek the, the infinite and omniscient God, the, the all-knowing God, I'd like to just look at a couple verses we have in the Prior chapter, that's Jeremiah 9, verse 23, 
and 24. It said, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, and that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So this morning, if I'm going to glory in anything, it's the glory of knowing God and following him and understanding what's going on. Jeremiah was one of the few that understood what was going on. Why? Because he walked with the Lord and he was faithful and he obeyed God. And he will do the same for us if we seek him. So this morning I, I would like to propose that we're saturated in his word. As I read the word, as I see how God related to, to the current situation of when the, the um, prophet Jeremiah here prophesied and how God looked at, at sin and how God looked at, at judgment and uh, how God spared those that were faithful. In, in Jeremiah 31, I'm not going to turn there, verse 33, uh, God said, I will write my law in inward parts. I will write it on their hearts. And so this morning, as we're facing the end times and judgment, do we know what it is to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and to promptly obey the promptings that, that we receive from him. That, that's uh, Jeremiah 31 is a prophecy of the, of the new covenant, and we have that repeated then in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9, where, where God wants to write his laws in our heart. There's something that does not allow me. There's, if, if something looks like idol worship to me, there's something inside of me that alerts me. That showed this. Don't go there. This is not for you. And I, in my in my past, I've been involved with a lot of idol worship. Not that I bowed down to images, but there was things that were driving me that it wasn't God. Is there something this morning that's driving you that's not God? Now, I'm I'm sure there's other things we can be involved with, but God has to have preeminence in our life. And if not, then we are idol worshippers here this morning. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That was, that, uh, was God coming to Solomon in a dream right after the, the, the temple was just built and it was consecrated and that was the message God had for his people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. And it's a burden I've had. We've not been gathered together as much maybe in the last eight months or so. And the biggest burden I've had in this whole thing, and I don't know what you're doing here, Bethany, has been we've not been gathering together to seek God 
uh, collectively in prayer. We've not been doing it, and it's been a big burden of mine. When we most need it, when we least do it, it seems. I, I trust that you're doing that here. But we, we need it more. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and, and there's a, a correlation. I appreciate we had looked at prayer in the Sunday school. There's a correlation between humility and prayer. A, a self-sufficient and proud people don't see the need to pray. But a people that are humble and understand the, the, the danger we're in, they, they will resort to prayer because we, we have nowhere else to go. So this morning, a foundational realization that I'm not able to make wise choices in my life. And I need to know where to turn that the choices that I make are governed by an all-knowing and all-wise God. And I, I know I've made choices that have been otherwise, and it would have, could have been different. But we this morning could bow in our hearts, God, whether it be big decisions or small decisions, I want your input, I want your wisdom, I want your direction, I want to hear your voice. This morning I acknowledge I'm not capable of making wise choices in finances. And I know that just here a few weeks ago I preached on, on stewardship. I know that the day's going to be when I stand before Almighty God and I've got to give account for how I've managed his money and how I've used it for his kingdom and for his glory or otherwise whereas I've used it for my own self-indulgent pleasures. I stand before God and I realize that I'm not capable of making wise choices when it comes to child training and raising my children. You know, as young parents, we, we had the answers and we knew how to do it. And the Lord had to show us sometimes that we didn't. And we can get on our knees and say, God, I do not know how to do it. I'm not Lord of my ways. I want you to be Lord of my ways. Show me. And God can honor that. And he can give us the wisdom we need. And later it's not child training as much as relating to teenage and adult children. We need the wisdom of God. We are not Lord of our ways. It's not in me to direct my own steps. I realize that we're not capable of relating right to my brethren. And how often maybe... Brotherhood conflict could be resolved if, if both parties that are struggling to understand each other would come to that realization. We, we need God to guide us, and God will guide us to a, a place of understanding. Maybe not that we completely agree, but that we're at peace about how we relate to one another. This morning... I acknowledge, and we, can we together acknowledge that we're not capable to know how to walk through the confusion caused by COVID-19. There's been a lot of opinions of how this should be done, how it shouldn't. It's been done wrong. It should do it this way. It should do it that way. 
And who am I to know what God knows how we should relate to it? And if we, as God's people, can allow him to show us, should we obey government mandates? Are they crossing over what is the authority of the church? And in some places I, I feel they clearly have. And that has, has brought a lot of conflict. Because we have, on this side, we have God-ordained authority for the church and the work of the church. This side, we have God-ordained authority for civil governors to keep order in, 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 in society. And, and when you have these mandates, they can cross over like this. And, and where does this start and stop? And, and I'm not wise enough to know, but God is. One thing, if you picked up on it as we were reading through Jeremiah 10, it says, the pastors are become brutish. That word brutish, I think, is just uh, void of clear wisdom and discernment. There is a lot of, a lot of religious people. There is a lot of prophets who are coming. One came and, and he broke the yoke and said, this is God saying it's going to break the yoke of, of Babylon. And Jeremiah comes with a, with a steel yoke and says, now break this one. God says he will not break the yoke of Babylon. So there is a lot of uh, confusion out there, false messages, false prophets. As we as God's people, if we're called, especially called to, to give direction and ministration in church, can we together as church leaders humbly acknowledge we don't know what it, how to administrate. We need your help. We need you to show us. And I think especially as we're looking at and relating to modern technology, as nothing before, I think, has brought more, how should I, I'm not sure how to express myself, people that are concerned that are unsure how to relate to the the things that are just constantly streaming in. I, I was talking to a bishop brother. He was from a, a nationwide conference, a good friend of mine, and, and they have had a pretty strong stand against the use of Internet. We said, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to hold out. There is this tremendous pressure receiving from his people to, to change where they stand on it. And I, I just, my heart went out to where he sat, and I, I bless him for they're at. But can we together say, we, this is something much bigger than us. We really don't know how to relate to it, but God can show us. God can show us. And I could say that about, as I feel, the pressures of the world just, just closing in on us. What do we do about this? How do we relate to this? I know that electronic technology is a big part of it, but it's a much bigger picture than that. And I already mentioned the more and more involvement with politics and, and the idea that somehow through politics things can get corrected that are not as they should be. We're, we're way off course if that's how we're, we're relating to the world's needs and issues. We don't know how to guide people through their emotional struggles. I'm talking about people that have serious emotional needs and, 
and there's a lot of conflict been out there on, on how that should be, uh, how much we should go uh, to using psychology and drugs for people that are struggling that way. And here again, you know, some people have been strong against doing that, and, and I kind of tend to agree with them. But I say if people are in serious trouble and they're suicidal or whatever, what are you going to do to fix the problem? Are you just going to say it's wrong to go over here and you're not providing the answers either? God has the answers for these needs of the church. We need to believe it. Thinking about kingdom building, that's in my heart, about missions, about soul winning. And my experience has been, let's say back in the 80s and the 90s, I've seen more effectiveness in, in going out and, and people that are lost and, and bringing them into the kingdom. And in the last 10, 15 years, I've seen very little of it. And it, maybe the problem is here. But I, as I see evil, just, was it about a year? I think it was a year ago. I was, I was in Peru and, and I was out handing out literature. And for the first time, I saw a number of people rejecting. Uh, in, in Peru, where we went, in the town of Iscachaca, it was like people flocking around us for literature. Then last year when we did that, I saw a number of people rejecting, and I, I made that comment to a brother that was with me there, and I, I said it, it's changed a lot here just in the last couple of years. And he was wondering why, and I said, I think probably the smartphones and just the bombardment of, of what that's doing has, has really changed the openness to the gospel there in Peru. Uh, and so these are things that we're facing as, as we still want to uh, be effective in, in kingdom work. If we come before God and, and humbly acknowledge that we don't know much about it. He needs to show us how to do it in this day and age. And uh, I've been involved with foreign missions, and, and I used to think I have answers on how this should be done. And I think God wants to bring us to a place where we say, God, I don't have answers on how foreign missions should operate. Show us how to do it. We don't know how to do it. I, I think that's a place where, where God would have us be. This, this is a big burden of mine, and I'm about ready to close here. I put it as a question, do we know how to collectively get on our knees and, and humbly entreat God for the needs that we have around us? Do we know how to do that? Do we as God's people know, well, let's have a prayer meeting and let's just get on our knees and let's get serious about entreating God to show us how to live in the day and age that we're in right now. I want to close here with verse 24. It's a verse right after the text we have here. It says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. If my understanding is right of what Jeremiah is saying here is that anywhere where I might be off course, please do what it takes to get me on course so I don't need to be judged with the heathen. We know that in the time of the judgment of Judah. It was amazing that, that how many different 
governments, how many different nations were brought under judgment at the same time. King Nebuchadnezzar went. Just one nation after the next fell under King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the empire that he was building. And, and he didn't understand this, but it was because the Lord had ordained it that way. And Judah was one. Israel had already been brought to naught some, uh, some hundred years before that, a few hundred years before. But Judah fell under Nebuchadnezzar. And then we see here at the end of verse 25, if I'm understanding it right, because of the way Nebuchadnezzar dealt with Jacob or, or Judah, then Nebuchadnezzar also, uh, his kingdom, it was after his time, his kingdom was brought to judgment. And judgment actually for a lot of these nations was a process of time. But if you know about the history of, of judgment of Babylon, it was overnight. We, we have, uh, I think it was actually Nebuchadnezzar's grandson that was on the throne. Uh, he was ruling one night, and the next morning the whole kingdom was destroyed. That's how swift and how decisive the judgment of God was on Babylon. And to this day, what was a mighty empire is nothing but a, a, a desert wasteland where Babylon used to be. So, so God is a God of order and a God of judgment, a, a righteous God. And, and there's so much out in, in professing Christianity that says, you know, a loving God would not do this. God is a righteous and a holy God, and he has a standard that will not be violated. And if we violate his standard, then judgment will come. Let us stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, we know this morning that we're not Lord of our ways, and it's not in us to direct our steps. And so we, we need you to do it, Father. We as your people can humble ourselves before you and allow us uh, to be under your direction, or allow you to be, for us to be under your direction. Help us, Father, to be faithful. Show us how to live in the year 2020 as we are seeing obvious signs of, of judgment that is imminent and just show us father how we can be faithful in this time bless this congregation as they seek to serve you in jesus name we pray amen